You're listening to Drinking on the Job, D-O-T-J. I'm your host, John Coyle. Drinking on the Job is a toast to the culture of food, wine, and all things fermented. We'll be talking with winemakers, musicians, artists, late-night bartenders, scoundrels, and more. It's time to grab a glass before its last call. Glenn Heroy is a clown, a big apple circus clown. He's also played Santa for the last 30 years. Let's ring in the holidays with Glenn. Twas the night before Christmas, when all through the house not a creature was stirring, except me and Glenn Heroy, who is uh, one of my favorite people, who plays, who has been playing Santa Claus for how many years, Glenn? Um, 36 years. 36 years. In and around New York City. Wow. That is a long time. We could probably just talk... Hours about you just being Santa Claus, but since it's the week before Christmas and today is Christmas Eve, let me know what your schedule's like. What's I know this has got to be the the grab season for you. Take it all, right? Yeah, if I can make a third of my income in a month, that's really a nice thing. Um, yeah, you uh, suit up around Thanksgiving and work every day until after Christmas, Man. which is a uh, labor of love. Hmm? And you, I can only imagine that the phone must ring sometimes and you're like, who is this? What do you want me to do? <laughs> Absolutely. Right? I mean, where were you coming from tonight before you joined me? Tonight, it's a, uh, um, a building on Park Avenue that I've been doing for 20 years as Santa Claus. Um, I've watched children grow up and leave. I've watched families come through. Um, and uh, they have a new president of the board who likes Santa to show up, give out gifts, and leave. Wow. So it's, it's a, a lucrative 15 minutes. So a legacy, though. Like, I'm sure there's people would like call back, like, you've been going to their house or their business for many years. Yeah. And uh, this year, a little phenomenon's happening where if I'm not available, people are changing the date of their party. Wow. And if I can't come in the morning like I usually do, they schedule it at night, and it's Santa's pajama party. Mm. And, uh, <laughs> and so it's, <laughs> I guess they get accustomed to a certain look, a certain... Right. Yeah. Well, besides Santa, I know you play a multitude of characters. Your what's your website? Uh, that's oh, on. It is um, one of those very old websites that <laughs> needs to be spruced up. But it uh, it is glennheroy dot com, and there you can see Glenn play everyone from Elton John to uh, Ozzy Osbourne. Yeah. It just goes on and on. The man is like super talented. And and you got your start with start with Santa Claus though. How old were you when you first did Santa Claus? I I was eighteen when I uh, got to uh, Santa Land at mm-hmm. Macy's as an elf. Wow! And then um, I thought one day I'd love to portray Santa. Mm-hmm. And um, I thought, well, you know, I was, I was six feet tall and one hundred and forty five pounds, and I thought <laughs> this might not be the right it, look for a Santa. It's kind of disturbing for me when I'm in New York and I see Santa Clauses that weigh one hundred twenty. Pounds. I call them the Santorexics. Right. You know, like, ho, ho, ho. <coughs> it's like, Jesus, somebody give Santa Claus a sandwich. It's You can't have a skinny Santa Claus, right? This is true. Just, uh, and I found out that um, the next year I, I, I got hired to be a Santa because they're really just um, hiring you for four square inches on your face, really. Oh. It's... From, the eyes, yeah, and the it's your eyes and your cheeks and your nose because everything else is covered. Everything else is covered. You have eyebrow toupees on. You've got a wig cap and a wig and a hat, and 
the beard is made out of yak hair. <laughs> wow, there's a there's some detail that uh, people don't. Some obscure little data store that one away. Yak hair. Yes, it um it holds expensive. A, holds a set really well. Yeah, and um, <laughs> when do you get yak hair? I would never shave a yak unless you paid me. Um, everything is covered. The the outfit is real fur and it's wool and leather boots. Mm. So it you're like a pressure cooker with heat inside. And, um, the only release valve is through your eyes right and they are just casting that little part of you because the Mm -hmm. rest is attitude demeanor Mm -hmm. and then they can pad you right acting acting Uh, right um it's i think you do it more as a labor of love i I, i've known you a long time you're uh we'll go into how deeply compassionate you are for other human beings uh but that is one of the biggest reasons why you do it Uh, i know that absolutely yeah i um I've watched families uh, grow up and felt like I was part of their um, inner circle by just seeing them one night a week, uh, a year, hmm. at uh, Christmas Eve. Right. And I've seen people get divorced. I've watched their parents die. I've right. watched their children grow up. And um, and then you kind of age out. Right. The kids, you know, they push it maybe. The kids are 12, 14. You're still showing up until... So uh, does... Um is there a favorite? Like, do you like being in the department store, that famous department store in Midtown? Um, is, was that one of the best gigs, or you prefer going out and about uh, to the parties and uh, events? I like tree lightings. Yeah, I liked earning my stripes mm-hmm. at that major department store, mm-hmm. and um, it was uh, it got to be very rack and stack, mm-hmm. um, where children just would be on your lap oh let's take a picture and snap a picture and Santa loves you and um, don't forget to leave me milk and cookies next right and I noticed one year after being in that store for 12 seasons that uh, beards were starting to become frayed and, and have bald patches and uh, suits were looking a little um, you know dog-eared and uh, I wanted a better attention to detail, so I mm. found a costume designer. Right. Um, I, the guy from the Lion King uh, wig department made me a beard and wig and a mustache that only fit my head. This costume historian, this incredible story. I uh, She lived up in New Paltz, New York, so I drove mm. up to New Paltz. And um, this wonderful woman named Aletta Vett, <laughs> and, uh, Aletta, um, goes into the kitchen and says, I'm making a cocktail. Would you like anything? And I, you know, <laughs> I've never had a drink in my life. Right. And um, I said, no, thanks. And she said, I'm having uh, Myers and grapefruit. And comes out with a pint glass. <laughs> Myers and grapefruit. <laughs> and lays this book on my lap. And it's thick. And I open it up. And it's 30 years of pictures of Santa Claus that she's torn out of magazines and catalogs. And said, just look in here and see what you like. Oh. And then she takes out a sketch pad and a pen and closes her eyes and says, talk to me like Santa Claus. And I said, hello. <laughs> so let's hear the Santa Claus voice. It's it's pretty much Glenn, but since right. um, little I, warm, you I have a high register and I'm a little nasal. That, um, <laughs> it's a little Felix Unger comparatively, yeah, yeah, I guess. You know, would that why be a good... you for Christmas? <laughs> I drop it just to the register and try to be as sincere as I mm-hmm. possibly can. And I just said, so nice to see you, Aletta. I remember when you were little, I used to bring you presents. Wow. And, um, and she sketched with her eyes closed and turned the thing around and said, this is what your suit's going to look like. 
And oh. a couple of months later, she rolled into town and handed me this incredible suit. And um, I wore that suit into, I still wear it, and it's just fallen apart, but I can't give it up. I've got other suits. I have the suit I wore when I was the Hess Santa for the Hess truck commercial. Oh, great. Yeah. And I, yeah, you've done a lot of, uh, there's TV ads, I've seen lots of magazine ads, and yeah. occasionally they just steal your image and put you next to Scarlett Johansson or and stuff, yeah. uh, and, and things <laughs> like that. Santa, yeah. Um, but it, you get real joy out of doing it. Well, it's, um, you're, you become the custodian of a child's dream. Mm-hmm. And wow. yeah. they will look you in the eye and, and say exactly what they want and mm. swear to you that they've been good and say, I, I want a Power Ranger so bad. And I just say, what color Ranger? And they'll say red. And I'll say, red is Santa's favorite color. Mm. And all of a sudden we're having a conversation. And it no way is a claymation Santa going, oh, oh, oh. Right, it's, sure. It's, uh, kids, kids know bullshit. They have a very oh. good bullshit meter. Um, and I'm sure in New York, on top of it, mm-hmm. um, you're getting some kid who's like, oh, yeah. So what's the wisest thing a kid's ever said to you? Like, a fuck off Santa or like, get the. F- <laughs> you know, wise ass Yeah. Thing. Like, what's the wisest dumbest little prick you wanted to go hey take a walk actually i got jumped in brooklyn going what into the alamo draft house i, I even know that place yeah i was going in uh, my friend kevin, who robs santa claus my my friend kevin marr was doing a christmas show i was going to crash at a santa right i go in there's a group of kids 12 to 14 and they were just hey santa where's my gift and and i Passed it off with, oh, oh, uh, it's coming up. Christmas is 12 days or whatever. <laughs> right. And they were like, yeah, okay, fuck you, Santa. <laughs> and they leave this revolving door. And then the Alamo Draft House is a bunch of screens. And so I tried to find the one where Kevin was doing his show. And I'm looking, and there's some security people around. I went to talk to them. And these, this pack of five kids came back in and jumped me and just pull, pulled my hat off, pull, went to pull my beard off. But right. I... That's when I became that, you know, six foot, 250 pound man. I grabbed a 14 year old's wrist and bent it. So it's. Whoa! Santa went off. That's great. That's good. That's what Santa needs to do. He doesn't kick a little ass, right? (laughs) And Brooklyn, by the way, is the only place I've been attacked. Wow. Yeah. A a lovely drunk woman jumped me one night, just like pulling at the beard. You're lucky. You look so good. And then for some reason, wanted to rip the thing off me. What's going on, Brooklyn? <laughs> What's up, Brooklyn? Yeah. yeah. But so, th- so that's not bad because I thought for sure. Um, funniest thing a kid? Have you ever laughed at a kid? He was so goddamn funny. Oh, God. Yeah. The kids will just look you straight in the eye and say, I, I, I used to keep a straw up my sleeve because the old beard I had was kind of a store-bought beard and wasn't a very articulated ma- ma- mouth. And people would um, offer me some water sometimes, and I just couldn't drink it. So I'd keep right. a straw up my sleeve. Mm-hmm. Swear to God, one day a kid sat on my lap and said, well, would you like Santa to bring you? And he said, I'd like a straw, please. And I said, okay, and I pulled it out of my, my sleeve, and I handed it to him. And the mother was like, what the hell? Anything else, Junior? Yeah, right. What do you need? But it's just strange things, an auto harp, a prosciutto ham. A prosciutto oh, yeah. ham. Like, That's my kind of kid. Yeah, no fooling. Yeah, or like, uh, <laughs> oh, make Parma? sure it's from Parma. Yeah, right. uh, yeah. that's awesome. <laughs> so, uh, so what's so? That's probably one of the oddest things. 
Oh yeah, you've been asked uh, for a Parma. Yeah, hem. a Parma hand was was uh, up there. Um, just uh, these kids that just want a pencil. You know, wow. Okay, you'll get a pencil. That's. Uh, I'm sure there's been some very sad stuff as well, where you're just comforting more than you are. Yeah, that's the hard part of the job. It really is. The, people say, um, "How do you? What do you do to prepare to portray Santa?" And mm. I, oddly enough, play Santa feminine. Mm. I, I, I'm a big, rugged-looking guy, but I tap into a certain calm femininity that. You would expect uh, the most loving mother or grandmother to have. So if a kid is sitting with me, I'm not doing abrupt movements. I'm um, a little more feline, mm. and um, and a lot of times kids will just open up to you. And sure. A little girl came up to me one day at a corporate party, waited for me to be alone, and she was four, and wandered up to me. <laughs> looked around; there were no parents. Was just telling me about visiting her father. And that he he drank too much beer and he got sick and had to go to the hospital and then he wouldn't talk for a few days, and she was just waiting for that moment mm. to confess to Santa. What? And you just have to <laughs> try to make yourself present. And yeah. um, she wanted comfort. Yeah, yeah. Um, other people see me as the uh, Old Testament Santa, where mm. they would come and. And you, you're sitting on this mighty throne, and the parents are saying, "Tell him, tell Timmy that you're not going to bring anything until he stops wetting the bed." Right. And I, last time that happened to me, I said, "This that's really important. That's a very important conversation. I think Timmy and I should have it alone." Uh, can <laughs> all the the adults leave right now? Wow! And they all left, and I turned to Timmy and I said, "Timmy, don't worry about it. Santa used to wet the bed when he was your age." It's something you grow out of. It's right. got nothing to do with naughty or nice. But what I really want to know is, you know, what do you want for Christmas? That's so cool. And that I, that I'm was, sure that's like shapes kids' yeah. lives, and they think of that forever. That's something you never forget. I, they probably think of that when they're in the old age home, pissing in their diapers, going, "Yeah, Santa, Santa said it was okay. I think it's okay again." Oh, wow. Uh, things like that, and um, I, I, I always try to. Um, uh, things got rough about the time I was nine, um, I, growing up with my family, and it came to a head mm. uh, around the time I was nine. And, um, and and you know, loving families and 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 things that had been ingrained just disappeared. And I made a lot of decisions when I was nine that I've stuck to to this day. And, mm-hmm. um, and one is when I'm Santa Claus and I'm talking to a child, I'm saying what I wish I had heard when I was nine. Hmm, that's beautiful. And so if um, the first Christmas after September 11th, I remember. So it's just three months later. Mm-hmm. And um, I was asked to do a party at the Rockefeller Center tree lighting, which was called the Widows and Orphans of September 11th. Wow. So... People had gone into the buildings, uh, rescue workers, cops mostly, um, and some firefighters. Um, it was their family. Mm-hmm. And um, and uh, I remember the first child I sat, sat down, the first child I saw sat on my lap and said, my daddy died when the uh, buildings fell. <sighs> and I looked at him and I said, I, I know, I'm so sorry to hear that. I, I knew your dad. 
And the little boy said, you know my dad? Hmm. I said, yeah, I used to bring him toys when he was young, when he was your age. Hmm. And can I tell you a secret? <laughs> the boy said, yeah. I said, he was always on the good list. Oh, God. And, um, but I have to tell you also, you're on the good list, so I need to know what you want. Yeah. And there was a balloon twister next to me twisting candy cane balloons. Like, <laughs> he's really Santa. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I can't prepare those things. I no. just have to live in the moment and be oh. honest and say what I would want to hear. But also, like, you know, like I said earlier, kids have a really good bullshit meter. Yeah. They know when they're being bullshitted. And mm-hmm. I think uh, real conversation, it's like I can't stand adults who talk to their Children like their babies. Right. What do you want for them? You know, I yeah. can't. St- I want to choke them. Santa like they are people. <laughs> talk to them yeah. like people, please. Santa won't talk down um, to a kid. So, yeah. wow. That's going to be a tough one to prepare yourself for. Um, so, some of the more lighthearted moments being Santa Claus. Have you, like... Um, um, I've done a lot of celebrities. Okay, so let's That's do let's do a little a bad sentence. No. Um, <laughs> Santa's been visited by many celebrities. Okay, and, there we go. So there's yeah. been some very incredible moments of um, uh, one particular Christmas Eve on the Upper West Side. I went to um, Ian Schrager's apartment, oh. and um, and I'm looking around, and there's Ian Schrager, and um, and there's uh, Calvin Klein. And then I turn and there's Dolly Parton. <laughs> so, all of her. All, all of Dolly. <laughs> She's only five feet tall, but she just fills up a room. And, um, and she came over to me and she said, she said um, you got a really nice behind for a Sandy and pinched my butt. <laughs> and the whole time I was thinking, my wife is double parked downstairs. <laughs> I'm going to go. So down. I got about 10 minutes, Dolly. <laughs> Let's do this. <laughs> and it was just, oh my God. I thought Dolly Parton grabbed my ass on Christmas Eve. Oh, God, I wish I could say that. Well, oh. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, there's been uh, people I've been almost in awe of. And then next thing you know, uh, Isabella Rossellini sitting in like wow. lounge pajamas. And wow. then sitting on my lap, and uh, <laughs> um, the um, but I did. Um, I was Santa Claus for um, little Tiffany Trump when she was five. Oh, in yeah. glorious Trump Tower. Oh no way! And yeah, is it a palace all marble and gold and sparkly? It is. Um, it is marble. Mm. It is gold. Yeah. It, it, it wouldn't necessarily be my taste, but um, I, I could see where. Uh, I could see where certain people would find that very opulent. Right. I, of course, had to come up the service elevator, and there's no way I can walk through that part of town as Santa Claus right. in the season. So I asked for a place to change. Uh, they offered me a coat room, or behind a coat room where there was a boiler room to change, and I, I, uh, I, I reneged on that. So they allowed me to change in the bathroom with the golden toilet. Wow. So, yes, I have. Did you use it? I have shit in the golden Wow. Toilet. Oh, <laughs> and man. And of course, my, a- <laughs> my one regret is flushing. But, you know. <laughs> at least now. Yes. yes. But, uh, yeah, yeah. But, uh, Tiffany at five was just screaming the whole time, and uh, Mr. Trump did not come over to comfort her. Oh, uh, surprise. Marla Maples was lovely, yeah. and, and, and uh, she sat on Santa's lap to try to coax the the child over and make her stop crying and um tip trump tip um trump did not tip 
But huh. um, Marla's wow. Marla's butt did tie for the boniest ass to sit wow. on my thigh <laughs> in my entire career. She, her, it was, wow. It's yeah. like almost like razors that show <laughs> bony and sharp and it was very painful. Marla, you're killing me. Yeah, you're killing me. You're Marla. killing Sam. <laughs> and, um, you're crushing and, and she's tied with Marlo Thomas. Wow. That girl okay. has a bony ass. Yeah. Yes. Wow. I love Marlo Thomas. She's, yeah. She was I haven't lovely. seen her forever, but yeah. We, we did a thing for St. Jude. And, oh, yeah. Uh, and that was uh, just beautiful. Um, so the, the nicest sit on St. There we lab, go. Here we uh, go. Yes. The greatest, the greatest tush to yeah. sit on my, my mighty thigh right. was Peppa from Salt and Pepper. Wow. And it was, and it, <laughs> was, she, was she humming a song or anything for you? I was saying, get yeah. up on this. <laughs> But no, and then we showed up, and I, you know, in New York Magazine, I used to read it from the back to the front. First right. thing you opened up is that matrix, to right? See, yeah, to sure. see if you're on it. Right. And then you go to the party lines, and you see the parties to yeah. see which of these parties would I want to attend. You know, the one with, <laughs> you know, I don't know. So uh, I go to party lines, and there's a picture of Peppa on my lap as Santa. It was oh my god! You, you should frame that. Right? I I put it on my door with a magnet. We're gonna take one second, yeah. to talk about eggnog. We are. Yeah, because this is drinking on the job. We mm-hmm. got. I poured you some eggnog. Uh, is, I didn't spike it. This is delicious. It is. Uh, mine is uh, slightly spiked. It's, um, it's like. Um, what do you think of eggnog? It's pancake batter with love. I fucking. It's, <laughs> I hate fucking eggnog. I thought it's seasonal. So we have some eggnog, some it's cream, beautiful. some nutmeg, some cinnamon, and yes, throwing this bad boy up. Is would be the definition of hell and ruin everyone's holiday. So always go careful with the eggnog, and it is drinking egg batter. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am uh, fortunate enough to be the um, go-to Santa for Comedy Central here oh, in New York. Oh, that's cool. And every year or so, I'm, I'm asked to do something uh, um, a little wacky. And one year was to do a promo where I was just dousing myself in eggnog, and I drank three gallons of eggnog Ooh. in an afternoon. Which is standing in a tub because we're like <laughs> And you destroy a costume, they pull it off me, throw it out, and they dress in another one. And this thing went on all afternoon. And I, I, I like eggnog. I, huh. It was kind uh, of no, fun. Not me. Yeah. Let's talk about some of the stuff you do uh, in hospitals because uh, as Santa Claus and also as a clown. So Glenn has been on uh, PBS and yeah. uh, uh, the clowning series. What was I, it called? It was a, um, a six-hour documentary. Right. On PBS called Circus, and it came out right. about uh, uh, in 2010. And I uh, worked for the Big Apple Circus in um, the capacity of working in their hospital program at the time, mm-hmm. um, primarily at Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center, known as I was known as Doctor Bovine, and uh, <laughs> I would wear a lab coat and have a lot of mm-hmm. cow-like attributes of right. you know flatulence. And, <laughs> Constantly eating, chewing, yeah. cud. And so, yeah. so Dr. Bovine became a, a staple for about eight years at um, Sloan Kettering. And uh, I would spend summers, uh, six summers up at um, the Hole in the Wall Gang camp. Oh, Paul, uh, Paul Newman's. Newman's yeah. yeah, camp for children with life-threatening illnesses. And, right. uh, and so that's where I kind of found my, I don't know, my, what is it called in baseball? In in sport ball, John, what is it called? Sport ball, where you, where you hit really the sweet, the spot, grand slam, the, the sweet spot, sweet, the uh, wheelhouse. Yeah, the wheelhouse. All right, okay, look up playing password. All right, <laughs> this is good. Yeah, my, this is good. My power zone. <laughs> my power zone is working in children's hospitals. Right. I'm comfortable there. I 
Yes, you are such a kind fucking person. No, no. <laughs> I have I have an ex wife. Begs to differ. Um, and I just it's I, it's just where I there were many hospitals that the circus had programs in, mm-hmm. and I just wanted to go into the one that was legend to be the toughest one because mm-hmm. there's a high mortality rate, um, and also children are in there for a long stretch. Sure. A lot of times they got to be they've got to be immunosuppressed. Mm-hmm. So they're you know you suit up and you gown up and you put on a mask to visit them, and they can be there for twelve months getting a bone marrow transplant, mm-hmm. and you cannot phone it in. Mm-hmm. You can't do the same two songs and three jokes and one card trick. Right. You've got to you... invent and be present and um, uh, yeah, you've really got to light a fire under your own ass and. It was incredibly thrilling, mm-hmm. really draining. I fall in love with children and their families, and one day they would all be gone. And sure. you have to soldier up. And I used to have a ritual of walking through Central Park um, and smoking a cigar and just taking the entire length of that cigar to think about all the experiences I had with that child. Um, I didn't have a gig <laughs> this Halloween. Hmm. Usually Frankenstein or Beetlejuice or something. Right. And um, <laughs> for some reason, I had the night off, and I was planning to go see my friend Jenny on uh, 88th Street, and we are going to hand out candy together. And I went home and fell asleep and woke up and thought, you yeah, know, I'm just going to stay in and watch Frankenstein. I'm watching Frankenstein. <laughs> and I get a text, and it was uh, a father from one of the children who had passed at, um, at Sloan Kettering. And... Um, it, it, there were two, there were twins, a boy and a girl, and the boy had cancer, and the girl didn't. The little girl's name was Caroline, and I said if I ever adopted her, she'd be Caroline Bovine, and um, <laughs> and so and the little boy Forrest was just an amazing kid, just tons of piss and vinegar, and just <laughs> and, and I get this text from the dad saying, "I wonder what you're doing there, Doctor Bovine, probably dressing up like something." I'm like, "It's the odd night off." Sure. And he was just thinking about um, the time I had gone to uh, Sloan Kettering as Frankenstein for my shift as a clown. <laughs> I painted myself green and black nails. I was just that the thing on my head. Hilarious. Spent the entire day being Frankenstein walking around a hospital. Cancer bad. Yeah. And it was. <laughs> so. It's, it's cool because the dad was reconnecting with his child through you. Right. And that's pretty obvious, right? And like, what really shook me was his child passed away 17 years ago. Wow. Yeah. And, uh, and he's still thinking about that one day I brought his kid joy. Right. I always talk about the power of the human connection, and there's nothing bigger. Mm-hmm. There's nothing shines brighter. Um, it's it's just that powerful. And when you lose somebody, anyone who's listening who's lost somebody that's dear and they love, um, time just doesn't matter. It feels like it's yesterday all the time. Mm-hmm. You just learn to deal with it. Um, I could never imagine losing a child, so... Yeah, I can't imagine what that would be like. But I, uh, I'm still yeah. in contact. I haven't worked at the hospital in years. Mm. Been about ten years, and um, and still I, I I teach hospital clowning, mm. and um, I'll be teaching it this summer at the American Clown Academy in Georgia, and um, it's just something I'm really passionate about. And 
But this is something you picked up as a kid, correct? Yeah. Clowning since you were a child? Yeah. I, the first um, professional gig I had uh, touring in a mud show, which is just a one-ring <laughs> canvas tent that right. picks up and plops the next day right. at some county fair. And I was 12. And my mother thought it'd be a, a better experience than being in school, being on the road. Wow. And um, it went around. So you said, I'm going to run away and join the circus. And your mom said, you don't have to run away. Here, let me pack you lunch. Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) Be on your way, Glenn. Goodbye. And how smart was your mom and cools that she realized your life experience? Yeah. It was was unreal to be with these group of people and to learn just these ridiculous clown things. And I was – I had – my mother started a community theater in New Paltz, where we grew up, and uh, we grew up where I grew up, and uh, um, started a community theater, and which stored lighting equipment and the makeup in the basement. So I unearthed this makeup kit, and I was a huge Lon Chaney fan. Hunchback oh. uh, of Notre Dame? Was that Lon Chaney? Yeah, yeah. A, and Phantom of, whole, the opera, right. Phantom of the Opera, and then right. yeah. Lon Chaney Jr., yeah. and watching Creature Features, The Wolfman. Was oh, the, yeah, uh, man. The be-all and end-all for mm-hmm. me, and... Mm-hmm. Um, and so I find this makeup kit, and I'd seen a picture of Emmett Kelly. And uh, so I copied Emmett Kelly's tramp face. I got a pair of my dad's old suit pants, which were huge on me. And I didn't know how to sew at, at 12, so I used to stapler to put patches <laughs> on them. And I would be hilarious to oh. be wearing long johns and have a heart on the ass. So I stapled this heart on them, which is not the smartest thing. And I... I made shoes out of paper mache and uh, an old oh. pair of boots I had, and we had old house paint, and I painted them gray. And I, the the Sting was the movie that was very popular that summer. Oh, and, sure, and, Paul Newman, Robert Redford, yeah, uh, and uh, I'm the other actor, but yeah, and um, and the soundtrack was yeah Scott Joplin music, hugely mm. popular. Mm. And there's like a, a carousel scene, and I had the soundtrack. And oh. I, <laughs> I taped that one song over and over on this Panasonic, holding it up to the speaker. Right. And yeah. I threw it in a gym bag, and I put this entire thing on. And I said to my mom, Mom, I'm going to go march in the 4th of July parade today. And my mother, being my mother, put down her cocktail and said, Sure, I'll drive you. And uh, drives me to this parade. <laughs> and I realized, I'm going to crash this parade. And I was scared, and the entire parade went by. I thought, shit, I didn't take my chance. So I said, fuck it, and hit play, and music came out of this gym bag, and I just started chasing after the parade. The last thing in the parade were these, like, horses. Right. And one of the horses had taken a shit, and I went running with these big (laughs) shoes I had made, narrowly stepped in this pile of horse shit, flew over it, the crowd started cracking up, they thought that, oh, this little person has been hired to be a clown and chase after the parade. Isn't that an adorable little button at the end? That's, that's cute. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, later that summer, the circus comes to town at the county fair, and I am in that tent three shows a day the entire weekend. And um, at the end of the run, the, the um, ringmaster came up to me and said, the entire company's noticed you've been sitting in the same seat every show. I said, I, I love your circus. It is, it, there was a horse act, there was a chimpanzee act. I, I, I love the circus. And I said, one day I'd love to be part of a circus. And he said, well, have you ever done any circus skills or arts? And I said, well, once I dressed up like a clown at the Fourth of July Parade in New Paltz. 
And the ringmaster said, that was you? <laughs> We've been looking for you for three months. Wow. Because he had been in the crowd. And he said, anybody who could crack up that many people, I want to hire. And they did. So I spent the next winter, the next summer, um, working for this small circus. Uh, wow. I didn't get my chance to go back in the ring until um, I was 47. And, <laughs> and I got... Long time. Although yeah. you performed in theater for a long yeah. time in college. Uh, yep. you went to, so you ended up going to school for theater mm-hmm. at New Pulse. Yeah, for a, a brief semester. And mm-hmm. then I was kind of itching because I'd already done some summer stock and some professional theater. And uh, by the time I was... I had a nightclub act going. Um, by the time I was... Uh, in college, I felt like I really want to get down to the city. I really want to. And um, I remember there was a, a big cattle call for the TV show Fame based on the hot movie. Oh, and I was like, yeah. and they needed this person. The breakdown was me. You know, he's, he's quirky. He's peppy. He's thin. He's got dark, curly hair. I'm like, this is me. He's a stand-up comic uh, with a tortured inside. I'm like, this is me. So I say to this... this um, and you show up, and there's 500 of me. <laughs> there was a room full of Glenn. I couldn't believe it. A room full of Glenn. That's going to be your movie. That is, yeah. a room full yeah. of Glenn. <laughs> and, um, and I remember my, my speech professor, I said, look, I'm going to cut a class so I can sit down to the city and attend this cattle call. And he said, Glenn, have you ever been to a, on a cattle call? And uh, I said, no. He said, it's thousands of people. You're just going to be seen for two minutes tops. And it's probably going to amount to nothing. And... I remember that just kind of little eighteen-year-old Glenn was like, "You know what? Fuck you. That's right? not that's yeah. not the right. advice I need right now." And truly, "fuck you" has been <laughs> the motivation I've had my whole life. It's like, "Oh yeah, fuck you. I'm going to show you. I'm going to yeah. go to the city." Dropped out of school, came down to the city, started living in Hell's Kitchen, and that's when that whole saga started. How did the audition go? Um, it's a fucking cattle call. Yeah. <laughs> thousands of people. They only saw me for two minutes. Uh, I went to one of those once in L.A., uh, Sidden, uh, the Sid and Nancy movie with yeah. Gary Oldham. Yeah. And Cattle Called got in as an extra. And then they picked me out of the extras to stand up. It was shot in L.A. It was Max's Kansas City Bar. And uh, they said, we need somebody to stand up and yell, fuck you. It said, vicious. They picked me. And they said, we're going to point. You stand up and yell, fuck you, and walk out. I did. I was like, oh, my God, this is so incredible. <laughs> and, uh, and then I saw the movie, and they cut out the fuck you. But you do see the back of my head. There you go. So uh, Put it on your resume. <laughs> <laughs> That's a credit, my friend. <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh, – um, and now you continue to work. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I, I, I get a lot of calls for strange and different. You know, I, they need a, a – a, Two winters ago, um, I got called to be in a dance company. So mm-hmm. I joined a dance company at 55. And you're in a jazz band, too. I am in a jazz band now called the Jazz Bastards. And we have a residency at Pangea every last Friday of the month. And it is, I am so outclassed by these people mm-hmm. musically. They are, uh, I love going to band rehearsals just right. to sit and listen. Wow. And, um, so it's full band, and you play... I, I, oddly enough, I sing, oh. and I play spoons. 
Oh, that's pretty so cool. Spoons in a jazz band might raise your eyebrow, but we are bastards. Yeah, well, and, that's and it. We make it. You work. put the bastard in it. Okay. <laughs> and uh, uh, the uh, this this keyboard player plays a keytar, and he is just a prodigy. Aldo Perez uh, plays guitar, and um, and the drummer Nick Parker. Matt Canellos is the the keyboard player. Nick Parker was um, in um, Orleans. Oh, yeah. The band Orleans. Yeah. I oh, okay. Sing the song, John, because then you'll have to pay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's the big Orleans song? Well, uh, I know you're still the one. You're still oh, the one. You can scratch my ears. That's it. All right. There's a couple other oh, ones. Oh, yeah. Uh, okay. And, and like a prom theme one about. So um, I would say that you have figured it out. Because of all the people I know who are performers, ex-performers, mm-hmm. um, lots are in dead-end jobs, and they're miserable, and some of them making great money, some of them aren't making great money, but mm-hmm. they're fucking miserable because they gave up their dream. What I admire about you, what I love about you, is that you are in a band, you're a clown, you're Santa Claus, you're Elton John, you're Ozzy, <laughs> I mean, you do it all, and you continue to work at your craft, yeah. and you have a love and a passion that you, that you just keeps you, you get up every morning to do something different. Yeah. You're not going to I, an office every day. Uh, it's a creative uh, thing that you do, and uh, isn't it great to be 55 and find something that has fed your entire life, and you look back and go, oh my God, I'm so glad I don't work at Home Depot. No offense to anyone who does work at Home Depot, but... It's no no one ever dream job is to work at Home Depot. Yeah, it's um, unless I'm wrong. I, I love that I've uh, I can just ruminate on an idea. I had a dream where I was dressed like Dame Edna and <laughs> playing in a downtown club. My friend Charlie was playing accordion and accompanying me, and I was singing "You Make Me Feel Like a Natural Woman." The next day, I find out that there's a fundraiser. Uh, benefit performance to send money to Puerto Rico after the hurricane mm-hmm. and I I at the time thought I was Puerto Rican but I did one of those ancestry things and I've been lied to my whole life <laughs> I am Spanish I'm not Puerto Rican oh I just really not, yeah I did not know oh that. that's pretty cool Isn't that wild uh, so I uh, hear I'm thinking I'm Puerto Rican and I can sign up with all the other people and I did I came out like Dame Edna and I sang you make me feel like a natural woman <laughs> Wow. So, That's... And I have friends that I can call up and say, Charlie, can you meet me at this club and play this song? And they'll say, yeah, because we kind of know it's going to be a fun adventure. Yeah. I got friends who work in a... Uh, uh, ran into a, a guy one day, Eli Rodriguez, and he says, I work for this all-Spanish-speaking circus, and we're touring in town, and I, just, I saw you on TV, and I'd love to take pictures of you. And I said, sure. I took oh, that's where all those great photos come right. from. Right. Okay. Every time he passes through town, we just... We just Go on adventures. Huh. And the last one we did was I crashed the... I, I decided not to work that cop party at the Rockefeller Center tree lighting as mm-hmm. Santa. Right. But I decided I was going to crash it. So I put on a priest collar, and I got through every barricade, huh. every police block. There's a tip, Al-Qaeda. Mm-hmm. No, sorry. Uh. <laughs> so, and I have a picture of myself with the police commissioner yeah. and me with a priest collar on. <laughs> so were you Father Murphy or did I, you go Spanish? I, yeah, Father, I went, Father I went Gonzalez. Spanish, yeah. <laughs> uh, Father Gonzalez. Okay. So um, funniest moment playing Santa Claus, going to the wrong house, whatever. Let's get to oh that. We'll funniest get back to Santa Claus because it's Christmas Eve. It is. All right. 
It's uh, a Christmas Eve, and I am uh, a few years ago. I got hired by this family that I'd seen in the city, but for some dot-com reason, mm-hmm. they made a ton of money. Now they bought this huge house up in Brewster. Mm-hmm. They made so much money that the husband left the wife. <laughs> then she's in this huge house in Brewster right. with these two kids, huh. and she's kind of compensating by going all out for um, Christmas. And this was before GPS. This was Siri, and I just had this printout of MapQuest or something, and, yeah. and I'm supposed to drive up to Brewster. What she wanted was for me to drive up to Brewster, hang out with the kids for an hour, then go away for three hours, then mm-hmm. come back and be caught putting gifts under the tree by the kids. Give them one gift and then leave. Hmm. So an hour in the middle of the day and right. an hour around midnight. I say, okay. It's a long day. It is. And in between, I just ran to other houses and, you right. know, and, and padded my coffers, as it were. <laughs> and uh, so, uh, so I go there in the middle of the day, but I'm on the wrong street in Brewster. <laughs> so the woman says, yeah, park by the neighbors and park in their driveway, walk around, and then knock on the door. So I park what I think is her neighbor's house, but is really a block away hmm. on the wrong street. And I'm wondering why this dog is, like, trying to kill me. So why would you say park here? This dog is attacking me. I run to the other house, pounding on the door, and I open it up, and there's this little girl looking at me. And she goes, Santa Claus? And I said, oh, and I just knew I was at the wrong house. Oh, God. Oh, oh, darling, it's so good to see you. Just wanted to stop by before I come around tonight and give you these candy canes, which I just happened to have on me. And say, you've been so good. And then her sister shows up. Oh, and you've been so good, too. And then, like, a grandfather shows up. (laughs) You're asking for donations, son? I'm like, no, no. Santa's looking for... Give me the address. Olongapo Street. And all that's one over. I was like, oh, thank you. So I get back in the car. And uh, meanwhile, my wife is driving me around. And uh, she's like... Mrs. Claus. My patient, saint of a Jewish wife. (laughs) driving me honey we're in the wrong block oh we drive around and we pull up and there in this mcmansion in the front lawn are live reindeer and a sleigh walking around live reindeer yeah so i'm walking out and they're like santa's here and the kids are bouncing up and down just her two kids and they say we'll get in the sleigh and take some pictures in Santa's sleigh. And I get in the sleigh, and they're taking pictures. But then they want pictures of me with the reindeer. And I've never see, been around a live <laughs> reindeer before. And, and uh, something about a Santa costume is you have no peripheral vision. I got the little glasses on, which are in my prescription. But uh, the beard and the hat and the sure. thing, you can't see. I, and you can't see your feet or your penis because of the padding. <laughs> and, um, and so peeing is just impossible in this costume and the handler's like just grab him by this bridle santa tug him where you want him to go and i'm like i don't want to tug this animal what they don't tell you is their antlers are fucking at eye level so these pointed things are just (laughs) this blind spot and i'm supposed to be tugging on this thing it's snorting and the kids want to know which one's rudolph (laughs) oh god make this stop oh i fulfill that hour and go away come back and in the proper uh, neighbor's uh, garage, if we opened that up, it was filled with toys. I just, like, 
a truckload. It looked like a Toys for Tots drive. And I, it was my job to now carry all these gifts into the house, which took 40 minutes of wow. me literally carrying these gifts in. Then I'm supposed to make enough noise to wake the children. So I get all the gifts in. I'm drenched in sweat. Midnight. <laughs> my wife is just done in the car. And um, I'm thinking, good. I'm going to wake these kids up and I'm gonna get home. It's going to be all over for the year. And make enough noise that two kids come down. The mom comes down. And, oh, oh, you've caught me again. Here I am leaving these gifts for you. Well, let them open one gift now, Santa. And the little girl got this stuffed snake. And oh, they laughed at the stuffed snake. And then I said, well, what gift should we open up for the little boy? And the mother said, oh, that gift's over there in the den. Right over there. And I walk into the den, and in a terrarium is a live boa constrictor. Oh. And I've never handled a snake. (laughs) So I reach in and carry this live boa constrictor in. And they're all so happy. It's what the boy wanted. I throw it on the rug in the mouth. That's I should, me. Yeah, yeah. Basically. <laughs> so, oh, God. Kids, go back to bed. Put the snake back in the terrarium. I'm done. And the woman says, well, look, there's still some time on the clock, Santa. Why don't you sit down on the couch next to me? <laughs> and it's like, paka, 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 The dream comes true. So I, I'm sitting yeah. there, and the woman just wanted to have small talk and chit-chat. So I guess you're going around the world now. And um, I said, yeah, I have to do that flight around the world. I didn't know if I should break character or what. Sure, like, she had hired me, and she knew I was. Right. And it just turned out she was lonely. She yeah. had that house. She had all these gifts. And there are some st- – always Christmas brings nostalgia, which the root word means, almost kind of sadness, I believe. Yeah. I forget. But it's like there's some sadness. Where I mean, what's a perfect Christmas? And nothing is perfect. Mm-hmm. That's what you have to come to accept. So we're about done – I have some things I just wrote, okay. uh, some expressions that I'd like you to give me in your best Santa Claus voice. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'll, since there's a few of them, I'll do one, you do one. I'll put these um, We're going to read these Thank randomly. You. There's, in okay. your best Santa voice. Very good. You should go to bed early, little Jimmy. Santa does. Particularly when he feels there's nothing worth living for. Here's <laughs> <laughs> mine. I'll tell you what. I'll get you a fire truck if you can get your mom to shave my back. (laughs) You've been a good boy, Jimmy, but tell your mom she's got to quit cooking meth. Santa loves Christmas as much as he loves vodka. (laughs) God. Oh, dear. Sure thing, Susie. A sled it is. And don't forget to tell your dad to sober up. (laughs) Well, that's all we have. Oh, I want to thank Glenn Heroy, Santa Claus. And uh, Glenn, thank you for giving the gift of joy to everybody who comes in contact with you. Thanks, John. And I mean it. I and uh, tomorrow is Christmas. Yeah. And thanks for coming down to do the podcast. Uh, if you want to complain or say something nice, you can reach me at johnny at dotjpodcast.com. The D-O-T-J stands for drinking on the job. And uh, Glenn, tell them where they can send you a note or tell them what site they should check out to see your uh, many great photos and your uh, everything you do. I'd say Google my name, G-L-E-N-H-E-R-O-Y, mm-hmm. and hit images. You'll see everything from me as, I 
don't know, Queen Elizabeth <laughs> on the ladder. Um, <laughs> uh, you, you, you can see me as um, Santa in a dune buggy. Thanks very much, and uh, everyone have a great Christmas. Thanks again for listening. Don't forget to check us out at dotjpodcast.com. Until then, I'll see you at the bar. Bye.